the biggest stories from the pages of the London Free Press and LFPress.com. This is the London Free Press Podcast with your host, Lindsay Barnett. Welcome back to the LF Press Podcast. Thank you once again for being here. Very excited to have you. This is kind of a special episode for me, so to speak. Uh, It's going to be our last episode of 2021. So thank you if you've come along for the ride. I took over in February or March from Craig Needles, who passed the torch off to me. And my very first podcast this year, once joining the London Free Press team, was with City Hall reporter Megan Stacey. And I'm really excited to be ending with Megan Stacey. It's just like a nice little bow wrapped up on this year's LF Press podcast. Uh, so Megan, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. That's such a nice compliment. I really got to sell it this week, I guess, <laughs> to help you help you uh, put the bow on uh, on this year. I just think that there's like a little bit of poeticness there, you know, starting with you, finishing the year with you. I got to ask though, you must be a little tired. Uh, last night, budget was done at council and Uh, A lot of people don't know, but I used to be a reporter in the city of London and I have covered city hall and I have covered those budget meetings and they can be long and they can be tedious. And there's always about a binder like this thick full of info and it's a lot to sift through. So first of all, thank you because you're making (laughs) mine and every other Londoner's life a lot easier. Um, We do have to talk about budget though. So council last night approved a 2.8% tax increase for city taxpayers. What does that actually translate to in dollars and cents? For sure. So the bottom line is that you're going to have an extra 86 bucks on your tax bill next year. That's for uh, someone with, you know, an average house based on MPAC assessment. So if your house was assessed at 241,000 in 2019, um, you're going to get an extra 86 bucks on your property taxes next year. So I hear a lot of people say like 241,000. So it's important to remember your assessed, what your house is assessed is different than maybe a list price you might've seen, especially over the last two years. And MPAC has uh, paused some of those assessments. So probably inside baseball, maybe people don't care. But the bottom line is if you paid, say, $3,300 in property tax last year uh, or this year, you're going to see about, you know, $3,386 in 2022. And what does that actually translate to? Like, where is this money going? Because it was just over a billion dollars that was approved in spending for next year. And as a Londoner, I hear a billion dollars and I think, whoa, that's a lot of money. I hear $86 and I'm like, eh, I'm not even going to feel that over the course of 12 months on my property tax bill. So what does that money actually translate to with regards to city services for taxpayers? Yeah, absolutely. That's a good question, um, Lindsay. So the bottom line, as you say, is, you know, there's about one point zero billion dollars um, being spent uh next year so that's you know everything from getting the garbage truck to your curb on garbage day to keeping the community center down the street open hopefully open i guess um pending any covid (laughs) issues uh and so you know that spending about 700 million of that will come from the tax levy right from you know the property taxes that you're paying and then a little bit comes from other revenue things like fees or services uh, that people are paying city hall so um you know that that's why Obviously, I'm biased, but I think it's important for people to tune in to watch how other councillors vote or at least to read coverage about, you know, how the budget has gone and and how the spending is happening. Uh, It's interesting. You talked about kind of 
you know, those long debates, the long meetings, the big binders, and things can be a little bit quieter, I would say, um, lately because of the way that City Hall does their budgeting now. So it's a four-year budget. Um, this We're in the middle of the second four-year budget, the second multi-year budget. But the way that works is that every year you're still going to have some kind of budget debate. They call it a budget update nowadays. Uh, and so that includes, you know, any pressures, anything unexpected um, that, you know, wasn't anticipated when councillors set and approved that four-year budget. They return to it every year to do a little bit of an update. And so really you do see a debate and you do see changes to that tax hike every year, despite you know setting a four-year budget um, as this council did in 2020. So there's a little bit of, I would say, mixed thoughts on, on that process in general. Some people like it. And uh, the criticism I hear most from people is that they think doing that four-year budget and then kind of uh, returning to these updates each year doesn't allow politicians to really dig in, um, you know, and do sort of that line-by-line -line review of where your tax dollars are going. Uh, but on the flip side, politicians and, you know, others say that giving that time back to city staff allows them to do a little bit more work uh, behind the scenes year to year. So for example, the biggest saving um, savings that we saw this year through this 2022 budget update is about $3.7 million. And that comes from across a series of city departments where they found savings, you know, they've shaved something off, uh, off the line by line budget, say in a certain department, um, a few lowered contributions to reserve funds and things like that. So I think proponents of multi-year budgeting of setting that four year and then doing a shorter process each year to update it really say that's what we're getting we're giving uh, finance staff and other city staff back that time you know to say find those savings to do the deep dives things that they wouldn't have time to do if they're putting together an entire budget um, an entire budget package for counselors to debate every single year Absolutely. Now, not to sound weird, but I was creeping your Twitter feed last night as the discussions were happening. Um, there was something that really kind of caught my eye and I was really excited about. We talk a lot about climate change and the impact that certain things are having on our planet. Well, things are shifting with regards to London buses. Um, we're going to be shifting away from diesel to electric and that's coming in at around 25.9 mil. Is that correct? That's right. And that's capital spending that that council uh, approved last night. And so um, that that's not uh, going to hit you in the same way on on your tax hike. And the interesting piece about that particular um, business case for the electric buses is that City Hall is really hoping to pull quite a bit of that cash from senior government sources. So they're hoping that uh, London will be able to tap into, say, like a a green transit um, fund, green infrastructure fund. Uh, and I think specifically at the federal level, they're expecting to pull a bit of cash from that, or at least apply to hopefully get some of the cash to make that a reality. But yeah, you're right. It, it was a big ticket item, $25.9 million in capital spending. And that's to help transition our London transit fleet from you know, the diesel buses that we've got on the road right now over to an all electric fleet. And that actually started with Mayor Ed Holder. That was sort of a pledge that he threw out uh, kind of in a surprising way at one of his first state of the city addresses um, to the city after he was elected. And so, you know, of course, the pandemic has has slowed things a little bit. But uh, right now, this is sort of the first council approval, um, you know, to send London Transit on their way to say, OK, we can keep going with the work 
to transition our fleet. And right now there's an industry association that's actually working on the implementation plan. So what it would actually look like for London to start this transition. And that's gonna be coming back to London Transit in the spring. So, you know, this is sort of the symbol, almost a, like in principle, okay from council to say, sure, yeah, you know, there's some funding that can be available for that transition. Go ahead uh, and keep, keep traveling down that road uh, to make that transition to an electric fleet. So a lot of questions between here and actually seeing some electric buses on the road, but it was sure an interesting thing uh, to see come up. And it was a unanimous um, endorsement when politicians debated the budget. And it was a unanimous last night as well, which I thought was a little bit surprising based on the makeup of this council. I'm glad you said that because I was going to say the same thing. It's been interesting to watch how certain councillors have voted throughout the year. Um, we talk a lot about funding, but I do want to talk about some of the cuts that we saw um, with regards to the budget. So $100,000 was axed from athletic travel grant program for amateur athletes. I know I had seen on Twitter some members of the community pretty unhappy with that because that's kind of substantial. Um, I know it's not a lot of money in the big scheme of things when you're talking about a billion dollars, but $100,000 still, it's a lot of money. Um, and $258,000 cut from grass cutting and tree trimming. Um, and this is to help create better habitat for wildlife. What else was axed? Yeah, those are some really interesting ones. Uh, the cuts to the sort of beloved uh, neighborhood decision-making program were turned down, so no cuts made there. There was also a slight reduction in the funding that uh, council has approved to try and reduce what's called the infrastructure gap. Uh, so essentially the cost of repair and replacement for all of our city assets, uh, roads, bridges, um, keeping services, you know, running at community centers, things like that. Um, you know, the difference between what we've got and what it's going to cost, that's the infrastructure gap. And so uh, that's like hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, and council, especially in recent years, the last two councils have really made a concerted effort to start paying that down to try to close that gap. Um, and so there, that was probably the most intense debate that we saw at the day-long budget meeting earlier uh, this year, uh, earlier this month, sorry. And there was a little bit of debate about it last night too. You know, just that balance, right? Is it going to really help you on the tax hike front compared to what you're going to lose, um, you know, in that funding that you're using to, to try to close that gap a little bit quicker? So, um, yeah, I would say that was probably the most contentious thing. But even so, I mean contentious is, is a bit of a leap. It was pretty smooth sailing last night. Um, the only other change that was made, and um, it's not a particular cut, it actually won't hit taxpayers one way or the other, at least not yet, uh, was a move from the environmentalist crew on council. So there had been a request um, during the public participation meeting on the budget to have city staff talk to one of our conservation authorities about getting more staff um, to manage and operate uh, and help keep tabs on London's environmentally significant uh, areas, those ESAs as we call them. And so council did decide last night that they would direct staff to have those conversations with the conservation authority uh, with the potential to possibly fund more staff, but that's a decision that'll come back to council before it's made. So um, it, not that it's not important, but you know, kind of small potatoes when you're talking about a billion dollar budget. Uh, it was a, a pretty easy vote last night. And I'm glad you brought up that tree trimming and grass cutting too. That was kind of an interesting reduction that city staff proposed and council uh, ultimately decided to go ahead with. And so that means um, you're not necessarily gonna see, you know, 
two foot high grass in your neighborhood park, but some areas, city owned areas like roadways um, and certain parks, not necessarily playgrounds, but like green space, you'll see uh, a real reduction or just a total stop of, you know, the uh, grass cutting in that area. And the idea is that it's going to be sort of a naturalization process. Uh, so provide, you know, better habitat um, and, and sort of wildlife environment there while also saving taxpayers a little bit of money. So kind of an interesting one. Absolutely. Um, it was definitely interesting watching things, like I said, not to sound creepy, but watching things come through on your Twitter and something that you and I were talking about before we started recording the podcast. And I feel silly because like I said, I've covered city council, I've covered budget meetings. Uh, I've lived in London. I've been a homeowner here for the last eight years. Uh, there's a survey that taxpayers in the city of London can do with regards to the city to kind of let them know if they're happy with regards to the spending right um this was news to me that you just kind of dropped on me before we started recording so what's the details with that and like if i wanted to do that if i was all up in arms for whatever reason uh how could i voice my opinion yeah so there's two avenues i absolutely encourage everybody to voice their opinion especially while council's going through the budget process so usually debates start you know towards the end of the year uh and then hopefully conclude right before the end of the year in January, February. So you can always, you know, email your city councilor. There's even a budget um, email address. I think it's budget at london.ca. Good to do a Google on that one first though. So lots of avenues like that to share your thoughts, both with your elected official and with city administration. So that's your direct route. The other thing that happens, and I just went back to look up some of the stats, um, is there's a citizen satisfaction survey that City Hall does every year. So um, you can't necessarily opt into that because uh, they have a, a, a polling firm call uh, and do the surveys that way. So this year, uh, usually about 500 people are, are polled. Um, and this year, that was the case. There was a break last year uh, during COVID. Uh, but for the 2021 Citizen Satisfaction Survey, 80% uh, of people said that they believe they get good or very good value for their tax dollars here in the city of London. So it's just kind of an interesting reference point. I think, you know, we always write about that survey when it comes out, but you hear the debate last night and, you know, politicians are kind of patting themselves on the back. Uh, Mayor Ed Holder said earlier this month, you know, we're not going to use taxpayers like an ATM. And, you know, there was lots of talk that, okay, 2.8 is, is a pretty good place to land. But you've still got a lot of people in the city who are saying that's way too high. I don't, you know, I don't want anything close to 2.8%, um, you know, uh, hiking up my, my, on my property taxes next year. So I just thought it was an interesting reference point. So the 2021 citizen satisfaction survey, you had about 18% uh, of people. And again, that's of about 500 that were surveyed uh, that's believed they get poor or very poor value for their tax dollars here in London. So the average residential property, um, tax bill last year in London was about $3,200. And the average across the rest of the province is roughly $4,300. So kind of a, just interesting to place London in context. You know, it's up to taxpayers whether they believe that 2.8% is good or not good, way too high, way too low, who knows. Um, but you know, it's always that balance of what sort of city services are you willing to cut or reduce uh, in order to see lower taxes. Um, and of course, on the other side, you've got some people saying we want to see our taxes increased for, you know, any number of budget priorities that they'd like to see, especially in a city that's struggling with a housing crisis. Um, you know, some of those big priorities really that they take a lot of cash. So typically we're going to see that huge budget debate and kind of that idea of 
what are our priorities and what's our vision for the city happen during those multi-year debates. So that'll come again in 2024, once we've got uh, the new council 2023 for 2024 uh, budget. Um, but yeah, these year by year updates are obviously really important and that's where your, your uh, property tax hike is getting set. So this year you've got 2.8 and uh, it's, up to, it's up to the property taxpayers to, to say if that's appropriate or not. Definitely good to keep things in perspective there. Thanks for that with regards to where we're landing amongst provincial averages. Uh, Megan, I just wanted to say thank you so much again for sifting through the budget. I know that can be tedious and daunting work to say the least. Um, we really appreciate you just kind of breaking it down for us and uh, sparing me from going through the budget binder, to be perfectly honest. Happy to do that. Love it. Thank you, Lindsay. <laughs> um, I also just wanted to wish you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year because this is it for us for 2021. Um, uh, it's been a year. Uh, I feel like I said this last year. I know uh, 2021 kind of ending not on a note that we were hoping for or expecting. A lot of people online saying 2022 is pronounced 2022, T-O-O. -O. Um, I sincerely, from the bottom of my heart, wish for better things. And if you are listening and you've been sticking with us throughout this entire journey, we appreciate it. And I wish you a happy and a healthy holiday, a very Merry Christmas and a very happy new year. We will be back again in January with another edition of the LF Press podcast. Until then, stay well.